0: Welcome to Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show. I know not all of us are over Gronk retiring, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today and how it fares for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading into the 2022 season in regards to are the Bucs still one of the top two seeds? Some would argue with Gronk, they're one some would say they're two, are they still in that category even though Gronk won't be back this season or, as some others are saying, might be back halfway through the year? We will get into all of that discussion. I'm your host today, Matt Matera from PeterReport.com, and joined with me is, also from PeterReport.com, Casey Hudson. K. Huddy, how are you today?
1: I I'm surviving. <laughs> I'm doing well it's been a crazy week between Gronk's Bronx retirement and a lot of hockey drama. Um, so yeah, it's a week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we start with the bolts? I mean, that was a very depressing way oh, that they lost last night. I know a lot of fans are complaining about that. The, the Avs had six, six men, on the, men on the ice and yeah. other people are saying, well, the lightning got away with that last year when they had seven guys on the ice, mm-hmm. John Cooper was like, devastated after, you know, after it happened. But um yeah, nonetheless, uh, the, the Bolts have a, a big mountain to climb.
1: Yep. And that's literally what Coach Cooper just said a few hours ago, <laughs> that the mountain got a little steeper, um, but they're still climbing it. So yeah, definitely a lot of drama there. And of course, everybody wants their opinions to be heard a little louder than the person next to them. So it's been an interesting 24 hours on top of a crazy, crazy week. So, but I'm here. And we get to talk Tampa Bay sports, so I'm very fortunate.
0: Absolutely. Let's uh, try to cheer everyone up a little bit. I, I know it's tough to cheer people up when we're talking about Gronk not being here because that's not a good thing. But I will switch gears here a little bit, do some uh, some house cleaning as, as we do to start the show. And there was a little news that you can get excited about for the Tampa Bay Box, and that's that they announced their schedule for training camp this year. It is going to begin on Wednesday, July 27th, the last week uh, of July before we get into to August. And um, they got about 12 days that are open to everyone. Uh, a lot of it's for season pass members and stadium club members. They also mm-hmm. got uh, Military Day on August 1st. That's always great. They have a Community Day for uh, Special Olympics and other foundations on August 3rd. The Women of Red event is on august 9th and you also got two joint practices in there on august 10th and august 11th that's a joint practice with the miami dolphins they'll also have a joint practice with the tennessee titans however the bucks will be traveling to nashville uh, for those practices casey i don't know about you but i think like scott has different thoughts about training camp because he's done it for so long where you know, he's just ready to hit the fast forward button, and get to the, the regular season. I yeah. still enjoy being out in training camp. I think there's a lot of awesome competitions that go on. I know it's really hot out there, but, you know, still getting a, a nice tan going at the same time, more of a <laughs> farmer's tan, but nonetheless, just being out in the open watching football, I think it's great. And the joint practices are the most fun because you finally get to see a little competition that isn't just the bucks against the bucks. It's the bucks oh, yeah. best players going up against the dolphins best players and the titans best players. So, that's one of the funnest times for me just being up close to the action, being able to report on everything.
1: Oh yeah, and it makes it like Nobody doesn't like the official start of a season, like something that says, oh, my gosh, football is here, or hockey is here, or whatever's going on. Like that's the official beginning of the beginning of everything. And what I think I like the most about training camp as well, because aside from Scott being so seasoned and ready to dive into the season, I like really kind of seeing how far the, the rookies have come from you know, draft day to rookie mini camp to, you know, that quick little acclimation period before they have time off. And then now they're in training camp. So I kind of like to see how they measure up to the vets. And I really love seeing their ability to communicate and learn from one another because they're in a different um, situation in terms of practice. So training camp just has its own feel, its own vibe, its own very, very important details Uh, that revolve around it before diving into the season because practices look so different when season actually hits. So I, I enjoy training camp. Yes, it's hot (laughs) and I'm walking (laughs) around with like a backpack full of water and a notebook and a camera. And I feel like I'm at actual (laughs) camp, like a child all over
0: again,
1: you know, snack packs in my backpack and it starts early and you know, it's Florida and it's summer. So As media, we don't even know what to expect, so it's still pretty exciting because we can wake up and it can be sunny, and then all of a sudden it's like downpouring, and then it's the indoor, and then what did we gather from indoor? So it's all very exciting, you know, the beginning of the season. There's a lot of excitement that surrounds around it. And plenty of sunblock for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, especially like you said with the rookies, just seeing who retained the information from rookie minicamp to OTAs to to mandatory minicamp. And we saw the Bucks at minicamp a couple weeks ago. It is interesting because everyone learns in so many different ways, and we talked about that with some other players, where some can just read the playbook, draw it up on the board, and be good to go. Others need to go out there and perform the block or run the route, whatever. It might be get that coverage when you're backpedaling as a yes. defensive back. So it, it's very fun to see who retains the information. It's also really your first glimpse, too, for someone such as like Russell Gage that's new to the team or Keem Hicks, seeing them, how they mesh with with all the teammates that have been here. Just want to give a shout out to a couple people in the chats, the chats. Emily Compa says, hi, Matt. Hi, Casey. Let's get the season Hello. going and hit that. Thumbs up button, hit that like button. Please do everyone that's watching. We appreciate you watching the show. And uh, make sure you hit subscribe to Peter Report TV and hit those like buttons. It helps us up, helps us get those views up and helps with our algorithm for people that are Bucks fans and NFL fans that might not know about Peter Report. We got a lot of great content both on PeterReport.com and with PeterReport TV. So by subscribing, it costs you nothing, it just lets you know when we have new videos. And when the podcast drops, so if you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> JC, wanted to ask you, as we uh, get into more Rob Gronkowski Bucks discussion. Uh, Scott and I spoke about it. JC spoke about it on the show yesterday. But just give us your overall reactions, thoughts. Maybe a where were you when uh, you know when Gronk retired, and um, there's still hope for the Bucks, right? You know, it's not isn't falling. Gotcha. They're losing a great player, but. You know that there, there still is some hope for the Bucs this season. The world
1: is not over yet. Um, yeah, so granted, was I particularly expecting a retirement? No, um, I think Scott kind of touched on it in you guys's podcast. He was like, you know, we were kind of more prepared to have a he finally re signed podcast versus that he's retiring. Um, but you know, it makes sense to me because. something bear with me everybody i clearly talk too much because all i do is talk for a living and my throat's catching up with me (laughs) but um the thing with gronk is that you know when he initially retired from the patriots you know most fans and people closest to gronk would say he was putting his body through a lot, and he kind of just wanted to feel like a human. You know, he's still a younger guy. I'm sure he has a family in his future. Yada yada yada. So when he, you know, retired from the Patriots, that was more of a body maintenance decision. And then comes back because he got the bird call from Tom Brady, and you know, they had their <laughs> Super Bowl run, and that was awesome. But that Super Bowl season, if you look at it and think of it, he was very healthy. You know,
0: played all seen.
1: He- yeah, and it's just like. You know, when you look back over his career at the Patriots, it was very rare, aside from the beginning of his career, where he had full season to dedicate to his team and himself and something to feel good about, you know, physically as well as mentally. Then he comes back this season, this previous season, and that rib injury and that lung puncture, like, you have to think of the severity of a lung puncture. He These athletes push through things, you know, beyond their means. And at that point, I'm sure that was a reflective point for Gronk to be like, look, this is why I kind of retired to begin with. And if my body is not going to hold up like it did last season, like I kind of have to be done. So I respect the fact that he retired because he just has a tendency to like, I think once the health issues begin, it's a domino effect for a guy like Gronk. His size, what he puts his body through, what he is to a team, you know, he's not just out there blocking, he's catching, he's doing so much that um, it makes sense that he needs to probably turn the page and focus ahead. As for the Bucks, though, I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, that tight end position is very, <laughs> very naked now without a Rob Gronkowski. But I don't think it's the end of the world because they do kind of more so rely on their wide receivers. Everybody's hoping to see a whole different production with the running back group. <clears throat> so, this is kind of just going to force that a little bit more. You know, we're going to see a lot more production from the running backs, hopefully some versatility in those plays. And then, you know, the wide receiving group, even though I wanted that group to look a little differently due to the draft, and it didn't, you know, we have Russell Gage, and we have these guys that are supposed to make an impact early on, and Brady said it from the podium. They're expected to make an early impact.
0: Yeah, (laughs) right away, uh, as he said. Charlie Abraham's just finding his chat right here. Charlie uh, agreed with you. He said the Bucks will be fine as long as they stay healthy. And then he also said health was a big factor as to what happened at the end of last year. We know that. Mm-hmm. I'm initially thinking, though, we'll talk about the health of the Bucks in a little bit. But to go back to what you were talking mm-hmm. about with Gronk and, and his rib injury, and Scott's talked about this, too. That is not an injury that just heals easily. Yeah. You know, that takes time. And it's tough for anyone, if they get injured, immediately you're just like, when can I come back? How quickly can I come back? And it's tough to tell anyone, let alone a, a pro athlete and a future first ballot Hall of Famer, to be like, hey, you got to sit this one out. You got to sit out a couple of weeks. Think about the timing, too. He got hurt week three against L.A. The team yes. the, that the Bucks are playing next week, the New England <laughs> Patriots. I think Gronk really wanted to play in that one. So... And I remember he was – might not have been the New England week, but the week after, Gronk was – he wouldn't practice during the week, but he would participate in uh, in Friday's practices. And, uh, you know, that started stirring the pot, getting the speculation going, oh, maybe Gronk will play this week. You know, he's for all the times that he gets hurt, he's still a, a really tough guy. Maybe he'll, he'll go play. But, no, he sat out a couple other weeks, and that was the right move. He absolutely oh, yeah. should not have come back – Uh, you know, in week four, week five, kind of like what we were hoping Mm -hmm. early on, because we got to remember, and it's so tough because we live in a world overall, but especially in sports where we want everything now, 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 now. And you got to understand, I'm not talking that like anyone specifically, but in general, you got to understand that, you know, if a player gets hurt in September, the most important thing is that they're back in, you know, November, December, the playoff run going into January. Now, if Tom Brady gets hurt, yeah, all right, you're screwed. I love Blaine <laughs> Gabbard, but, you know, the Bucs aren't necessarily going to compete for a Super Bowl. He's, up
1: he's uh, back. Yeah. With,
0: with Blaine as the guy, but I think for Gronk, to even overcome that rib injury is a huge kudos to him. And then looking at the Bucs, too, we talked a lot about the secondary in general. I think they're due for a bounce-back year just because they're going to be healthy. We mentioned it on mm-hmm. yesterday's show. Make sure you guys check that out if you haven't watched it yet. We mentioned on yesterday's show that, you know, the, the main guys, Carl Dean, a lot of them in the the main guys did not play together as a unit until week 17 because SMB got hurt early. Carlton got hurt in the New England game and was out for a while. Uh, Jamel yeah. Dean had a couple instances where he got hurt in the game and had to uh, just injuries across the board and, I just think defense, if they are fully healthy, are so ready for a bounce-back year for the Bucs.
1: Oh, majorly. This defense is so hungry to, to f- not fix, but to just kind of like dead last season. The injuries was were just so – I mean, especially as an athlete and as a career, it was annoying. And it started, yeah. in the it started week one. Week one, SMB. Week two, with somebody else. Week three, Gronk. This guy, this guy, this guy. I mean, last season was so injury prone that realistically, I think the Bucks team as a whole are just looking for a productive season that they're not counted out because of things that are out of their control. You know, and that makes it hard yeah. to be discounted for things that are out of your control versus things that are in your control. It's a that's a way different mental space to have to overcome. So. The hunger behind this team, regardless of who's on the roster, is going to be significantly different because they're hoping that it's not going to be injuries that put them out. It's going to be a talent, skill, and communication situation. And you make such a great point as to like the athlete mentality and like Gronk and like the rib injury. That's not an easy thing to overcome. And you're talking about a, a man's career, a man's job. So athletes don't give themselves the right time to heal. Um, I can even just say that as a human being, I hate being cut down for any amount of time. I never allow things to heal properly because, you know, once you're done after a couple of days of sitting around, then you're just like, all right, what's next? So I think for Gronk, that was a major injury to deal with. And you made a great point to say that that actually started earlier in the season than I think most people recollect. And. To deal with that and to try to fight to come back and stuff like it would have been completely different, and I think we would be having a whole different conversation if Gronk had another healthy season like he did their Super Bowl season. Um, because you know, young guy still has a lot of life ahead of him, I'm sure there's plenty of things that he wants to do, I'm sure that there's a family in store for Gronk, and that's going to take a
0: right you know, and eventually
1: to run that's around a,
0: exactly. That's a whole nother point of it is that Gronk. And Tom Brady, but Gronk in in this case, because he is retiring. He doesn't need to keep playing. He's done everything that he needs to do in this league. Four Super Bowls, a couple of All-Pros. Again, going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. He doesn't need to keep playing. He's essentially playing because he just loves the game of football. We've all seen him on multiple different commercials, guests on TV shows and podcasts, hosting things. Gronk is going to be everywhere. He's still going to be on TV, just not... Playing football, so you exactly. know he he's a,
1: an entertainer. At he, the end of all, he is.
0: Golf. He is an entertainer. Say,
1: the only disappointment to Gronk retiring now is that there's this, you know, bigger conversation as to is he the greatest tight end in the league? Is he the greatest tight end? Period. And whilst he's very much top tier, you know, how do we declare this? Is it just because of the things that he's done? Is it the amount of Super Bowl rings? Or is it comparison to other big greats like Tony Gonzalez? And, you know, I put Jason Witten up there and. and Yeah, Casey, that's like that. And we're talking about guys who had seasons that were well over 10,000 yards and, you know, over a thousand receptions. And Gronk didn't break that.
0: Yeah, Casey, I I think that's an excellent transition that you're making right now. Uh, You also (laughs) made uh, you. I love the thing that you said. You made a great point about the hunger. Of you know, some of the guys that were injured are coming back this year. Uh, and we talk about hunger and being hungry. I know when I'm hungry, I love to eat uh, fast brand protein bars, as you see on the screen there. Of course, Celsius Energy Drinks is uh, they also produce these fast brand protein bars. And guys, if you don't know about the fast brand protein bars by now, you got to get in on it. They have great flavors as as they taste like candy bars. There's white chocolate, cookies, and cream. And salted caramel peanut crunch. There's 20 grams in these bars, and the taste is delicious. Uh, there's multiple ways to have them too. You can have them straight up. You can cut them up, warm them up in the in the microwave a little bit, throw it into your ice cream for a dessert. It's also a great substitution for dessert. And when we talk about Celsius and the fast brands, they're all about versatility. Whether it's all the different flavors that they have with their energy drinks, or the uh, white chocolate chip cookie, sorry, white chocolate cookies and the uh, salted caramel peanut crunch it's great flavors and they're perfect for you know if you oversleep and you gotta have a a quick bite to eat uh while you're heading to work you can have it then you would have it right before you do a podcast you can have it uh right before you go and and work out there's many great different scenarios where you go and have a a fast brand protein bar so make sure you go to amazon.com Click on the link uh, in the description below of our YouTube channel where you can go and uh, order yours today and set up whether you want them two weeks, three weeks, whenever you want. But make sure you check out Fast Brands and their delicious flavors. I actually have both on me right here. Here's the white chocolate. Yeah, cookies and cream is great. The salted peanut crunch I'm also a fan of, but make sure you go and get both. All right, Casey, let's get back
1: to So.
0: Yeah, that's great, too. I haven't done the yogurt thing, but I will. I do Same. eat yogurt from time to time. People might not believe it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so as as we were talking about, as you brought up, the discussion between Gronk and is he the greatest of all time? Mm-hmm. I think personally, in my opinion, I'm not going to say it's not close because that would be disrespectful to players such as Tony Gonzalez, but I think hands down, Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time. And I understand he doesn't have every single, you know, record in terms of career longevity with, um, you know, in football. But still, in, in his career, he, when he's at his best, like he is the most dominant, unguardable tight end that there is. He's just bigger than everyone. He's stronger. He'll body you up, get that position, make the catch. Um, very difficult to bring down. I mean, that's why he had so many injuries because guys would just be chopping at his knees the yeah. whole time. Cause it takes two or three players to, to take him down. And while he might not have the stats over Tony Gonzalez in the regular season in the post season, it doesn't compare. And I understand football is a team game and, and Gronk's playing with Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, but Gronk put up monster numbers with the Patriots, uh, you know, in the playoffs and, while he didn't do as much with the Bucs in the postseason, he came up when it mattered most in the uh, in the Super Bowl when he had the uh, the two tutties and uh, <laughs> over sixty Wait. receiving yards.
1: So now that 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 takes me to two questions with this with this topic: Is Gronk sure. the greatest tight end overall? Should he have been a lot? Should he have broken records such as Tony Gonzalez's fifteen hundred yards and Antonio Gates's thirteen hundred yards and Jason Witten's? 10,000 yards, if he had a quarterback like Tom Brady his entire career?
0: Well, I think for him, it was just the injuries. I think if Gronk is fully healthy for his whole career, Mm -hmm. yeah, he would, I think, without question, he would go and break those records. But, you know, health is a part of the game. But I think there's a reason Gronk is already, he was on the NFL All-100 team when when they came out with that list a couple Mm -hmm. seasons ago. I believe it was the... They made the announcement. It was after the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl in Miami. You know, yeah. he, he made that team. Again, his playoff numbers I don't think compares to to really uh, anyone in this league. But speaking of the regular season, Gronk played in 143 games, had 621 receptions for 9,286 yards <laughs> and 92 touchdowns. So still pretty good. Tony Gonzalez, on the other hand, um, <laughs> he had 270 games so i mean already the game differential you you see
1: Double,
0: uh, really. yeah you're you to yeah. see that he played in 270 games as my laptop froze for a second 1500
1: or 115,127 yards and 1325 receptions
0: and a yeah and 111 touchdowns so Eight. i mean Gronk had 92 touchdowns isn't crazy far away considered the, the how amount much downtime. Of, yeah. And you know, without question, regular season, Gonzalez has the numbers. You can't really argue the numbers, but again, I put more of an emphasis on when you're at your peak being the most dominant. I think it's grunk. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, I know Tony Gonzalez, he's a great receiver. He was one of the first guys. I think he would dunk the ball through the, uh, the goalpost before yeah. it became a penalty. That's another argument. Is it the Gronk spike or the Tony Gonzalez dunk? Like which one do you like more? Please I think that's a- put
1: that in the comments because Tony yes. Gonzalez was one of my favorite tight ends for a very long time before, you know, Gronk broke the scene to 17 seasons compared to 11. But yeah, I'd love to know celebration wise. Was it the, what do you call that thing in the tight end or the tight end post, the goal post?
0: I just say dunk. It's like a okay. basketball dunk. I don't
1: know why I wanted to call it like an alley oop and just be so ridiculous. That or the grock spike. That
0: would have been someone should have done that. Because an alley oop, you're just passing it and the other guy dunks. Yeah. I mean, it's not as it's not as creative as the Joe Horn cell phone thing when he, played, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when he put it when put it on their onto the the goalpost. But
1: they could all do better. But yeah, uh, that's true. I think that stuff qualifies. Gronk. I mean, when you really think about it, it's just it. I think the basis of Gronk's career has been the fact that he has been battling injuries for the longest time. And it did start in college if people paid attention to his career um, in college and stuff. So it makes sense. It's just it's crazy to think of what he would do if he had a couple more seasons in him for number one, if he could stay healthy, number two. And I don't 100 percent wholeheartedly believe that we won't see him at some point of this season.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out either. Um, I'm just I'm going through Gronk's uh, playoff numbers. So he played in 22 playoff games. He caught 98 passes for 1,389 yards and 15 touchdowns. Tony Gonzalez, I think, only played in like... Well, he kept making the playoffs with the Chiefs, but they always lose in the first round. And then I know he went with Atlanta, like one of his last years, he... um Finally, like, won a game with Atlanta. I believe they beat Seattle. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't the year that they went to the Super Bowl, though. So, I'll look up Tony Gonzalez's uh, playoff record, too. But nonetheless, I mean, two great, great tight ends. And, yeah, please put in the chat who you think is better. Uh, Emily says, it comes down to who would you rather have on your team? I would pick Gronk. You know, I would, too. Hmm. Uh, See some for Kellen Winslow Sr., the former chargers tight end Uh, 179 says kellen winslow senior deserves some consideration because of the way he revolutionized the position that's a good point too and i think it's tougher for us because we grew up watching tony gonzalez and and gronk in his prime where i i remember the game because it's on like nfl films where kellen winslow it was like chargers and i want to say dolphins and the game went into, like, double overtime because it was a playoff game, and everyone was just exhausted, and Winslow made all these these great plays. And so that's a good point there. I know a lot of people, analysts and stuff, people have said, like, Mike Ditka was a great tight end back in the day. Right. I just remember Mike Ditka as the Bears coach, the 85 Bears, because we don't mm-hmm. talk about the 85 Bears enough in sports history. <laughs> and. Also, he had a great cameo in kicking and screaming. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yes, movie.
1: He's he awesome
0: in that movie. Nobody's smoking, whatever. Anything.
1: He's actually a pretty good actor. I'll give that to him. But Jake yeah. has got personality and just so much flair. So,
0: oh, here's another be. good one from uh, Big Tips. He says Shannon Sharp, Sharp said recently Bronkowski is the tight end go. I thought I didn't even see the end of the comment. I thought he was just going to say Shannon Sharp pretty is in sure. there. <laughs> Shannon Sharp is another is another great. Uh, tight end so
1: yeah Baltimore Ravens and who else who was his first team again
0: I think he played for Green Bay or his brother played for Green Bay starting yeah. sharp
1: he was something and then wrapped up at Antonio Gates I thought was yeah. fabulous like
0: he's, he's another one who has those, the,
1: like, ridiculous accolades 11 over 1100 he's the true cards. blue
0: uh you know he started the whole Oh, he was a basketball player and we turned him into a tight end. Into a tight
1: end. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And he's up there too, 116 t- uh, touchdowns and stuff. But you make such a great point. At some point, it's not really all that comparable because what tight ends used to be to what tight ends started to become when you know we started watching football to what tight ends, some tight ends are now. Like tight ends legit used to just be a part of the offensive line. They yes. were there to block. And that's what you did in a pro-style offense. And then all of a sudden you got these basketball players that turned into tight ends and they could catch a little bit, but they still had the block. So you had this split versatile role that you had to be able to commit to. And then when I was coming out of college, it was hybrid tight ends. And John and I talked about this during the season for anybody who watched you know, those podcasts that John and I were on together and that stressed me out. I hated it. Seeing a hybrid tight end freaked me out because then it was just an oversized or a larger wide receiver, just doing routes. Can't block for anything, not very strong. They're not even breaking six, four. They're now under six, three. And so there's been such a transformation in what a tight end is. So I would love to know, like, what do people classify as a tight end? What is a true tight end these days? Um, and how do you compare that to the, to the greats? Are they still all very comparable? Cause then you have Shannon Sharp, you have, um, which we call it, uh, Mike Ditka. There was another big one, Casper, <sighs> his last name is falling short on me right now, but I picture his face so crispy right now, but his name's Casper, something other, he was another, just like true blocking tight end part of the O line kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry. It's a, it's slipping me at the moment. I think a good comment here from Ben, he says, guys like Sharp and Kelsey, Simply can't block like Gronk can, and that's where it's tough to quantify because there are much more receiving tight ends. Someone like Jimmy Graham, who we spoke about on the podcast yesterday, where we know Gronk is uh, like he can do it because again he coined the phrase "I'm a blocking tight end, baby" when he you know when he <laughs> said it uh, in his first year. So I think in terms of well rounded tight ends, I think Gronk again has a good argument there. Uh, finally pulled up the stats for Tony Gonzalez in the playoffs. He played in seven games, um, had 30 receptions for 286 yards and four touchdowns. So playoff-wise, when it matters most, it's not even close. Granted, Bronk had way more opportunities.
1: Yeah. So a lot more playoffs in this time. Yeah. a good team.
0: Absolutely. I do want to get to a super chat. Shout out to Leo. Thank you so much for the 499 super chat. Uh, he's answering the you know the question of the podcast itself. He says yes, the Bucks are still a contender because the NFC is weak, but Gronk is a huge loss, and I don't see Otten replacing him. This is why we needed McBride. He's referring to Trey McBride, who was uh, pretty much the number one tight end on the board in this year's NFL draft. I know I was a fan of him. Um, yeah. Discussions we had going to the Senior Bowl, um, you know, he was one of the, one of the top guys there. But Casey, let's look at. You know the the entire NFL and and the Bucks offense too without Gronk. So obviously there's no replacing Gronk. And mm-hmm. the Bucks, we know they got Cam Bray, starting tight end, been here for years, fan favorite. He's a serviceable tight end. I like to say he's steady Eddie. You know what you're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it's a little bit of a mystery because Kate Otten's a rookie. Yep and he's still coming back from a from an ankle injury that he had even before the draft. The Bucks knew about this. So, we haven't seen him practice at all. Co yeah. is a, uh, a, a, a he's a yeah, he's a he's a blocking tight end through and through, hand in the dirt, going to get in your face. And uh I hope glass. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's part of the the, the glass eater group. I know it's
1: <laughs> Gatakis
0: it's his title, but I think if they want to make it like a faction or something like that.
1: Yeah, they um, could be like the Bash Brothers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Especially if he lines up next to uh, to Ryan Jensen. I really think the Bash Brothers are going to be Ryan Jensen and Luke Gettigy, and then mm-hmm. I know Coquif will be more towards the end, but uh, who knows? Maybe they'll pull a center and a guard out of play and you know, go to the other side of... Just for the play. heck of it. Yeah, just That's one play. Right. All we need is right one. Off. But... <laughs> With that said, there's a lot of uncertainty at tight end there. Also, Cody mcelroy he's played in a career three games. He made his only catch in 2019. Um, he's a guy that's been a fringe roster player. We spoke about this on the podcast the other day when when Gronk first retired. But I'm saying all of this to get to my point of, I think with the Bucks' offense, going back to 2019, when Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich first got there. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have Cam Brate and they know what he can do and – and he can be a, a safety net at times, the third down option um, if, if everyone else is being covered. But this offense has always been about the receivers and going deep down the field. Now Brady and his connection with Gronk, of course, you're going to use that. <laughs> you know, you're not just going to be like, oh, well, we got two Hall of Fame players. Let's not, you know, get them the ball as much as possible. But I think with Gronk not there, and I know Brady has chemistry. With Brady. But I think Brady is going to rely a lot more on Mike Evans, Russell Gage, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette to a degree. I think we're going to see those guys really pick it up even more where the tight end doesn't become that much of a focal point anymore, kind of like how it was in 2019. And the Bucs could still score a lot of points. They just turned the ball over a ton. And that's why, you know, they had the record that they had. <laughs> but now they have Tom Brady and Tom doesn't turn the ball over that (laughs) much. much. So, yeah. So I just think it's going to be a case of, okay, well, we still have a lot of star players and very talented guys on this team. Let's just make sure we get them the ball and we can overcome Gronk not being there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely agree for the most part, because like we discussed this previous season, if there was one thing Tom Brady was tested on, it was how to make decisions and trust other players. But that trust word, and you and I talked about this the last podcast we were on a couple of weeks ago, is that it's the trust factor for Tom Brady. And so, the games that Gronk had to miss, and the games where Brady had to kind of resurface as that tight end one, we saw Tom, you know, go to go to Brady, and there were some very significant plays and that Cameron Brady made for the team that helped keep this team in these games the last couple of weeks of the season. So, I. Don't put it past Tom Brady that he didn't know weeks before, you know, I'm sure Brady and Gronk had conversation well over a week ago and Brady was privy to the fact that this was coming. Um, Let's be serious. They're best friends on top of teammates regardless. So you can already count on a guy like Brady to have a plan calculated, which means there's going to be an expectation heading into this training camp. So could Brady potentially be that guy well, he's not Gronk, but there could still be an active role for a tight end because at one point or another in the beginning of Braid's career with the Bucs, Braid was that guy. He was that tight end. He was the one, you know, who was heavily relied on in red zones and he was making a lot of things happen. So we've seen that Cameron Braid has the potential to really be reliable as long as he builds that relationship with his QB1 being Tom Brady. So I think that's going to be something that Brady works on because he likes to have his tight end options. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what, you know, Kate Houghton is going to be able to offer, depending on the injury and everything else. The hard part with saying, like, there's other big names on this roster that Brady can just rely on and go to is the fact that, like, other teams, the opponents are really going to kind of be relying on that. So this is going to be a big year for people to step up. Uh, The next man up mentality is going to be even heavier because if they start locking in on these names of the guys that are the top of the roster, somebody else has to show up and that's going to be huge for the wide receiver group. That's where I am so like anxious to see how that's going to pan out. And that's why I'm really looking forward to training camp. Cause I want to see what versatility they're going to add to their packaging, seeing as how, you know, if Evans isn't going to be available, then who's next in line, like who's going to make it happen. So Brady has to kind of play that trust ball game all over again. And he does such an A rapid version of it. Like, you have one, maybe two reps to get it right, to gain this trust.
0: Yeah, that's something that Leonard Fournette talked about, that some guys it takes a whole year before Tom Brady really trusts you, and that's what's (laughs) going to make that wide receiver four through six or how many they decide to keep. That battle, I think, is going to be so exciting. It's funny. You talked a lot about Cam Brady, and I just think it's funny. He's done... Or he's been like everywhere in this offense, just in terms of he's been the top guy. He's been the undrafted free agent, just fighting to make the team. He's mm-hmm. been, you know, the the second on the depth chart that is still makes an impact on the team, but isn't technically the starter. And we all know, even when he is the top guy, that he's going to be that red zone presence. You could always bet on Cam to to be there when the Bucks are in the red zone. And if you want to bet on the Bucks this year, great place to go and do that is mybookie.ag and while football season isn't here yet there's still a lot of other sports to bet on. Stanley Cup's still going. Hopefully the uh, the Bolts can push it to 7 games. We'll see. Uh there's a lot of UFC fights going on. Usually most weekends there's a UFC fight. Uh the World Cups coming up in the fall so you could bet on football and football all Love at the that. same time. And uh there's always golf every week too. So a lot of things to bet on. And of course, baseball and 162 games of a baseball season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie run lines, money lines, first inning, no runs, the best bet in all of sports and props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. You could bet on the Mets. They lost two in a row, but they still have the best record in the National League. Let's go Mets. Getting started is simple. Deposit up to $1,000 and play with $500 instantly. Just use promo code Pewter to claim a MyBookie deposit. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sports, to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus, up to thousand dollars with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway. Again, all the way up to thousand dollars—a cool G, as they say. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie AG. Once again, that promo code is pewter P-E-W-T-E-R, as you see up your screen right there. Casey, let's talk about how the Bucs fare with the rest of the NFC. Because I think most people would say that with Gronk, the Bucks are, you know, if not the number one seed, they're the number two seed. I think without question. You can make the argument with the Rams, they're the defending Super Bowl champion. I've, I I it's tough to argue when you're the defending champ. I know they've lost some guys. Von Miller's not there anymore for me. And just looking at, you know, the the competition and just the NFC in general, like just going across the board, the NFC East nice test week one against the Cowboys. Yeah. But like the Eagles don't intimidate me. And I know they just traded, uh, you know, for a wide receiver this year, that's big. And they drafted another one too. Nothing about the Giants or Washington, you know, really moves the needle for me, I guess I should say. So other than the Cowboys, for me, you know, if it's Bucks or Cowboys, I'm taking the Bucs. I'm sure a lot more of that will be answered in week one. I really think the AF the sorry, the NFC West is again just going to be a crazy mosh pit of the teams beating up on each other. Rams defending Super Bowl champs, 49ers have a you know a quarterback situation with uh, Trey Lance going in there as the mm-hmm. starter now and Debo didn't want to be there, but then he reported to, to mini camp. So what's going on there? And the Cardinals again, very talented team. Deandre Hopkins is suspended. Um, Ky- Kyler Murray deletes his Instagram, brings it back, deletes it again. You know, he's all over the place. <laughs> the NFC North, it seems like it's just the Packers again, albeit with, you know, without Devonte Adams. So that's a huge change there. Just overall, just give me your thoughts, Casey, on if the Bucs are still in the top two? Are they top three? They're definitely top five.
1: Oh my gosh, definitely top five. But you make a good point. Like I like the way that you set that up because the the reality of it is some of these teams are a hot mess. You know, hot mess. Yeah, the Cardinals have pieces, but they have no they have no flow. There's no correlation. There's no consistency. There's no mm-hmm. ebb and flow there, and the cardinals were a team that there's some games i actually enjoyed watching but they've got things to figure out um 49ers what the heck was that about with 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 Debo? like why is he not happy why did he not want to be there and that was something that caught everybody off guard or a lot of people off guard in my it's so for him to be sticking around it's just like under what end and if you didn't really want to be there, then that kind of might affect your performance, or he may try to really overperform because he wants, you know, to get out of that deal, come after the season and stuff. So really looking at it, you know, Seattle Seahawks, another puzzle piece that needs to be put together. Rams are probably still going to be the strongest team, but they're beatable. It's just having the right approach and having the health to back up that approach. But Von Miller was a huge contributor to a lot of their success. And a few other guys who, you know, it's still up in the air, who's fully retaining on that roster. Uh, The Cowboys. I have mixed emotions about it because I feel like the top of last season when we're talking about game one, I was so confident to the fact that the Bucs were really going to Handle it, you know. Their, their, their best asset was Dak Prescott. He was coming off of those, you know, those injuries and stuff. And then Dak ended up doing well, and so did mm-hmm. the team. Even though the Bucks still took the win, so that could be something that sneaks up, depending on again execution and everything else and health. But I don't expect the Cowboys to really top the Bucks, especially when it comes to comparing rosters. Bucks still have the most talented roster without Rob Gronkowski. Green Bay, a hot mess, like. <laughs>
0: You know that song Hot Mess? I think it's like Cobra Starship, or it's like, Yeah, you're a
1: hot mess <laughs> I have
0: that talk in my head now. Once you said that, well, yeah, it's
1: all these teams like, yeah, <laughs> Cobra singing to all these guys. Like, it's I've the Aaron had- Rogers drama show. Like, Green Bay needs a reality show. 49ers, there's a lot going on there we don't know about. Uh, Eagles are all right. I mean, they're in a developmental stage, so they could be surprising. Um, I have learned and I have been humbled to not completely discount teams because their roster doesn't look very strong because of what Washington did. That was still the worst po- podcast ever <laughs> in pewter report history. Is me and John so definitively being like, There's no way, there's no way the Bucks are gonna <laughs> no go lead to no Washington.
0: Shot.
1: Not a yeah, chance. Get out
0: of here. That's not like happening. that was the easiest
1: pregame podcast. We were just like, nah no, hard no. And then that happens. So I have been humbled and I can't say a hard no to any team in a developmental stage, but there's no one here that that has a roster that really competes with Tampa Bay. For Tampa, it's really going to come down to game planning and execution. And yeah, there's some things that they're going to have to adjust and get out of their comfort zone on. If you don't have a stacked tight end roster, then you know there's going to be a lot of plays that you're just going to really have to hold back on or not really go with or focus on crisping that up in training camp, if you will, so that you can execute them at the right time. Um, if you're going to be a wide receiving heavy team, then your wide receivers have to step up. This question mark after wide receiver three is the only thing that terrifies me. And that's really the biggest thing that's going to knock them out of that number one seed to a potential two seed, maybe even a three seed, because you can't put this whole team on Mike Evans' back.
0: That's true. You you can't. And Mike Evans is going to want to put the team on his back. Because
1: he's a know, team first what's... guy. It's exactly. But the
0: type of guy that... Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I'm legit. Same You're... thing.
0: Got you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just think too, one of the coolest things is the Bucks are going to be able to control their own destiny. And I think we're going to get a little bit of a, a little bit of a Brady revenge tour here uh, because they play the Rams. And a lot of these teams are going to be coming after the Bucs. Again, look at the, the beginning of the season. Uh, You know, they they start against Dallas and they beat Dallas last year. So, you know, Dallas is going to be going after them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Week three, the Packers, the Bucs have had the Packers number two seasons ago when they went on to win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, I bet they're still a little bit bitter of uh, about that Super Bowl. So (laughs) but the cool thing is because they play the Rams and and the Niners and the Cardinals, that's where the, the I think the Brady revenge is obviously going to come uh, in that Rams game. But I just think it's great they're going to be able to prove it to everyone and themselves that, all right, you want the number one seed? Great. You're going to get to play everyone that's going to be lobbying for that spot. And I, I think the teams we mentioned, Cowboys, Eagles, Rams, Niners, Cardinals, and you can throw the Packers in there too. Those are all the teams that are in, this, in the discussion to get that number one seed and remember there's only one buy that that was the the change last year when they added a 17th game and they took away one of the buys so the box who obviously know about the injury history uh, I think would absolutely love to get a buy and I, I do agree I think their roster stacks up with really anyone in this league even with you know even with Rob Gronkowski not there Mm -hmm. There is another team we have to talk about, Casey. And because we talked about all the other divisions, we didn't really talk about the NFC South too much. And understandably so, I I think we know where the Falcons and the Panthers stand. Mm -hmm. But there is the (laughs) New Orleans Saints. And we've talked about it before. The Bucs have not beaten the Saints in the regular season since Fitzmagic. Ryan Fitzpatrick was their quarterback. Fitzpatrick is a uh, is hot in the streets right now because uh, a golfer Matthew Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Open, which is a big major in golf. And Ryan Fitzpatrick just got that, I think, Amazon deal. So uh, mm-hmm. good time for uh, for Fitzpatrick. Anyway, um, the Saints, while the Bucks beat them in the playoffs, and that's the most important thing. So let's just let's just make sure everyone knows that statement. It's more important that they won in the postseason. With that said. <laughs> the Saints have really caused a lot of issues for the Bucs over the last two seasons. Um, But going back to Gronk a little bit, just in terms of Gronk against the Saints, didn't really have too much of an impact in his time with Tampa. I mean, Gronk did so many great things for the Bucs, but in terms of playing the Saints, not the biggest of impacts. His first year, obviously that first game of the season, blocking tight end um had two receptions mm-hmm. for 11 yards and then later that year he where was it i just had the stat up uh believe he only had one reception yeah one reception for 2 yards so that was in 2020 mm-hmm. and then last year more or less of the same when it came to uh when it came to playing the saints he started the game at new Orleans, but he was just coming off that rib injury. So Mm -hmm. he only played, he literally played 10% of the snaps and then didn't play the rest of the game. So he was still injured. Effectively. He didn't play in that game. And then of course he was a part of the, the nine, nothing defeat at home where he had two receptions for 29 yards. So in terms of grants, overall production going up against the saints, wasn't really a ton. Even the game where they beat it, where they beat the saints, defeated the saints, (laughs) Uh, was uh, he had one catch for 14 yards. So Gronk does so many great things for the Bucs, did so many great things. Wasn't necessarily the biggest factor when it came to playing against the Saints. So going against New Orleans this year, again, we know they're going to try to shut down Mike Evans and make Tom Brady throw the ball to the, the rest of the weapons that they have on offense. I really think this is going to be a situation where Leonard Fournette gets more involved because I, I don't think... Throwing to the running backs has been too much of a success for the Bucks going against New Orleans. And we saw them struggle trying to move the ball downfield. So it might just be something as simple as just dumping the ball off a little bit more to the running back. I don't think that's necessarily going to score them 30 points, but it, sometimes it's just survive in advance. And every time they play the Saints, when it's Bucks Saints, it's, uh, you know, it's essentially a street fight. So you don't oh, have to yeah. win pretty. You just have to win the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to take what you get and make the most of it but you make a great point as to like of course that's one of the most important matchups that we looked forward to every single season covering the Bucs and the saints just somehow have the Bucs number um now a couple things maybe fitzpatrick being the last person to have success against the saints and him retiring could be good luck again for the bucks to finally get some w's in that column now that he's out of the league um that could hopefully be helpful but i think that is going to be because it was Leonard Fournette that started to help give the Bucs, you know, progressions against the Saints. It was his ability to kind of bear down and get those yards and he runs hard. Um, I know a lot of us are a little, a little concerned about <laughs> what uh playoff Lenny's or Lombardi Lenny's training camp weight and and figure and stuff is going to be. But either way, he's a very strong guy, and I think that's going to be an asset and contribution to the Bucs, regardless. Other than that, any time that the Bucs have done well against the Saints, depending on what quarter it was or specific plays, it was those other guys on the roster whose names aren't talked about as much. Those were the ones who were getting deeds done for these for, for the Bucs. Um, and then of course, Mike Evans not being completely shut down by their secondary. If there's one thing to be proud of this past season, I think we saw that Mike Evans is is that dude. Like he can really play against the top secondary and and, and make it look easy. And he did very well with that. Uh but still, you know, it came down to the bottom <laughs> bottom tier yeah. of the wide receiving group to make any strides versus the Saints. So the good news, like you just mentioned, is that Gronk, while he is versatile, while he plays many roles for a team, he wasn't Doing much against the Saints, um, he was yeah. As far impressive. as far as a
0: receiver, as far as a receiver, I think yeah. he's still very helpful. Uh, you know, for the for the Bucks blocking, but as a receiver, yeah, I absolutely agree yeah. with your point. And, and again, like Tyler Johnson made a, a very clutch reception in, in the playoff game. It was only, it might have been his only catch. He, he may have had two catches. If, I think uh, he had if, two. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> but one of them was like a very very important clutch reception there made the catch and you know contributed in helping the bucks uh, win the game you talk about Leonard Fournette there for a second concerning his weight he did post a picture on Instagram today where he was golfing he looked to be a little slimmed down Uh, we'll see there's still a couple more weeks and it you know it was one video and he was kind of you know when you're putting you're kind of like hunched over a little bit anyway but I know after he stood up it looked like he seemed to be in better shape and Golf well, when you want to game.
1: be a powerhouse, you kind of have to stack in the offseason exactly and be because that's how yeah. you pull on muscle and, and gain strength. So, I think there's a method to Fernet's madness. Um, yeah, it hasn't stopped just production. So, uh,
0: another game that you could be productive of, as along with golf, of course, is bowling. And the best place to go bowling is at Pinchasers, folks. Pinchasers has so many different locations, there's going to be one near you they got east pasco zephyr hills midtown and veterans they have one pretty close to the evan health training center where the bucks have their practice and where training camp will be as we announced well we didn't announce the bucks announced it and we brought it up on the show earlier and uh going to pin chasers is more than just your typical bowling alley it's a fun day or night out with friends and family um They have so many different deals all the time, whether it's all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-bowl, Dollar Miller Lights, brunch on the weekends. The food is very underrated. Pizza's great, chicken tendies, nachos, all the great stuff. And it's the summertime, all right? It's really freaking hot outside. So (laughs) if you want to be in the AC, they got it blasting all the time. So it's a great... Thing to do in the summer. And also, if you want to host uh, your child's birthday party, they have bowling, of course, but they also got the uh, arcade area. So your kids can bowl, they can play some video games, parents can hang out and chill. So, so many different things to do with friends and family at Pinchasers. Go to pinchasers.net to make sure you reserve a lane or book a party. Casey, as we start wrapping up here, let's just go through some of the uh, comments. Adam Davies, our guy, always oh, in here. He said, sorry, I'm late. I've been out. I'll have to catch up on podcasts tomorrow. That's all right, because that's why we have our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We love it when you guys are live and and, and talking with us and, and chatting it up. But we understand you guys are busy. You can't watch every single episode when it goes live. So you can catch it later on Pew Report TV. So please Hit the like button, subscribe, let you know when we have new videos dropping so you can catch it there. You can also listen to the audio version on everywhere where you find podcasts such as uh, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. I personally like to use Spotify, but, you know, our podcast can be found everywhere. So hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, Tom Bucks fan said Scotty Miller had a catch for 29 yards. I think he's referring to... Probably the playoff game against the Saints mm-hmm. again. That just goes back to everyone. Well, Antonio Brown used to say this, so probably not the best example, but he always said <laughs> everyone, everyone putting their hands in the pile. Um, you know, they, they got contributions from everyone all over the place that year in the playoffs. Obviously, Scotty's claim to fame was the uh, the touchdown against the Packers. Well, I'm so excited for Scotty this year. I'm real. I really hope he could be healthy because I thought he was great during OTAs, but mm-hmm. just you know. He had something going on where he didn't practice during minicamp. I hope that he could stay healthy because it seemed like he was really turning that corner there. Uh, We'll see. I feel
1: like if him and Tom can just kind of have a come together. I almost said kumbaya, and I wanted to jump off my balcony for saying that because it makes (laughs) me think of Antonio Brown. Sorry, guys. But I think Antonio, Tom Brady, and Scotty Miller need to just have a come-to-Jesus meeting because Scotty can be very useful I am a Scotty Miller fan. Um, he has shown up in very crucial moments. I just think that there needs to be a little bit more, I don't know, faith, a little bit more trust there. So I'm hoping for a a, a season for Scotty Miller. He's still here, so he's got purpose.
0: Tom says Scotty has it. Yes. There is, some people do have the it factor. I yeah. don't necessarily know if Scotty's there, but the Bucks did start using Scotty in – different ways whether it's misdirections end arounds and things like that i think uh-huh. um i think that would really be uh, a greater way to utilize him. i just like this comment from big tips here in the 50s scotty would have been a hall of Famer, probably because he would have been he would have been way faster than everyone <laughs> but i don't know if there would have been a quarterback that had the arm strength to throw it deep
1: that's <laughs> very that's a great point actually scotty would have been thriving uh, yeah.
0: Big MGM. Cool. I got the same initials, man. MGM. Uh, Crazy as it sounds, but pass catching isn't the biggest non-Gronk question. It's the O-line, especially Donovan Smith. Ready for a non-Gronk offense. I respectfully, Big MGM, and I'm a fan of you because we shared the initials. I'm respectfully going to disagree. Obviously, not having Gronk as a blocking tight end will hurt. And yeah, he's good lining up on the end, helping out the tackles. But... I think Donovan Smith is, has really progressed his game, especially since Tom Brady got there. And sure, mm-hmm. some of it might be just because um, you know Brady gets the ball out quickly. But I think Donovan Smith is up there. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the best tackle in the league, but I, he's I think tough. he's definitely he he's moved up the ranks to at least like top ten, I would say. And yeah. I, I think each year he works on his game more and more. He's an iron man. He he doesn't he doesn't miss games, which I think there's huge credit to that. Ryan Jensen is considered the best center in the league, and Tristan Wirfs. So what else do we need to say? He's only been here for two seasons and is already like on Better. the path to being All Famer. You know, he already earned an All Pro. If you want to have questions about the interior offensive line, sure, I understand your concerns. But again, trading for Shaq Mason, many are saying it's an upgrade over Alex Kappa. And while he's a he's a smaller guy, he. he had a lot of success in New England with, with the Patriots. So I think that will translate to playing here with the Bucs. And on the other side of the ball, that's the competition that we're talking about on offense outside of you know the, the receivers four through six. I think it's going to be an awesome competition between Getticke and Aaron Stinney, Nick Leverett, uh, Robert Hainsey, whoever else they want to throw in there. But I think whoever's going to win it is going to earn it. All right, it's not going to be like, oh, geez, damn, week one of the season, we'll go with you. (laughs) You know, actually, they're going to – someone's going to earn it, and I think their offensive line will be nasty again and um, be up there towards the top of the league. What say you, Casey?
1: I I 100% agree with this, especially with, you know, the Shaq Mason thing. Like, again, Tom Brady played a crucial role in kind of recruiting this season, and he's a very meticulous guy, so we have to trust the fact that there's a lot of purpose behind this. And – Nothing against Kappa, but, you know, realistically, how many fans and how many analysts and how many people that cover the Bucks were like, hey, Kappa was performing well because of who was to the right and the left of him. Yeah, Mason's not the guy who needs to be good because of the person playing to the right or the left of him. Mason's good because he's gritty, he's strong, and he's good. So I think already naturally being so talented and even a little more talented than Kappa and not relying on the guys next to you, but having strong figures next to you, this O-line is going to be just fine and it's not going to come down to a blocking tight end helping. And even when that, you know, when that is the case, depending on the play that's being ran, Co. Keith, however you say his name, like for some reason, I am trusting the fact that this kid is going to be outrageous right out the gate. He just doesn't seem all there. And those are the people that just do insane things on the field. And I mean that in a great way, I'm excited to see him play. So you've got some, some great youth on this team that I feel like can contribute right out the gate. Gadecki, I'm very excited to see what he does and, and, and how he manages. I mean, Stinny has started to really earn a slot around there, but I think Gidecki is going to give him a run for it. So I think the O-line is going to be fine. I don't think it's going to come down to, you know, relying on the tight end to really contribute there. And that's not exactly why they wanted Gronk there. Gronk just happened to be helpful in that sense. But when it came down to it and Tom Brady was relying on his friend. Tom Brady was relying on the guy who was going to open up the middle of the field or that last minute pass that he can go to and know that it was going to be caught. It wasn't always about the blocking. And now you have guys who are blocking dominant people that can kind of focus on that. So I think it's going to be fine.
0: Very well put Casey. And we will end the show on that note. Thank you everyone for watching, listening or participating in the chats. Had a lot of great questions and comments today. So We really appreciate you guys. We will be back on Monday for a whole new slate of shows. So for Casey Hudson, for Matt Matera, I'm saying thanks, everyone, for watching. And we'll catch you next week for a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Go Bolts. The isn't over yet.
1: Nah.